Okay, so um, we have just sung Learning to Lean. And it's a wonderful song. And all I have to say is, pity the man who does not have Christ to lean on at this time. Because we need someone to lean on. And if it's not Christ, it doesn't make sense. Because they too need, need someone to lean on. So we have to make sure that we are leaning on the right against the right ladder. Uh, and your ladder is against the right um, fence. All right. So let us pray. Father, we thank you again for today. We thank you, God, for having spared our lives that we can come together again in this fashion, oh God. It's nothing that we have done, oh God, so great while we are alive. We have seen so many people taken away from us, but we know that it's because of your love and your mercy that's keeping us, oh God. And we want to thank you for that day, Father. Um, we also look at people who are suffering at this time, oh God, who have lost jobs and and um, livelihood. Um, we want to pray, oh God, that you may provide for them in your own way, oh God. So, Father, be with me, oh God, as I speak, and remove self, oh God. Let it be your words, oh God. I know this is I know, I know this is serious time in this country, oh God. And, um, and the topic that I'm about to speak on, dear Father, um, is necessary at this time. So we pray, dear Father, that you may open more hearts and more insights, oh God, that we may really interpret it for ourselves. We can't, we can't continue in this fashion, oh God putting you on, on the back burner. You need to come right up in front. So Father, be with us again, oh God, and as you go through this service, we pray for your direction in everything we do. Say, and that all will be done to your name's honor and glory. Amen. Okay. Um, as you look at a topic, you'll see lead like David. Now, we have heard it said from time to time that everything rises or falls on leadership. This is not a rule as, as such, but a conclusion arrived at by people who have watched leaders performing. So because the recent development in all parts of the world, including our country, I think it would be wise to say something about um, leadership. What I found is that leadership is not one-sided. It's a double-sided um, thing. It tells us that there are two components in leadership. And the results depends on, on the one that we activate. The godly component, if the godly component is accentuated, it will lead to stability and prosperity. And prosperity. The other component literally leads to destruction. So we have got to be very careful which of these components we accentuate. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you just a little summary of what um, we'll be talking about. First, we're going to examine some of the qualities found in David and those of contemporary leaders. And then we're going to examine the list of, of both great um, 
great leaders like um, David and Saul. What comments on, on, on same and David? Brief comments on Saul and David's lives. And then, and then we look at the, the passages that David um, demonstrated leadership qualities. And then, and then we look at the sins of both David and, and Saul. Okay. As I was looking for a leader who was not perfect and not chastised by God on more than one occasion, but still came out on top as an exemplary leader to all mankind. It would not be fair to choose a perfect or near perfect and then compare our contemporary leaders with them. All, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But how far down the ladder are we willing to go? There should be a standard or a level below which we should not go. While searching for this leader, I found David for my perfect match for comparison. Then I look for one of the worst leaders in the Bible to compare and contrast as I go along. And I found King Saul, the first anointed king of Israel, chosen by God. The most striking thing similarly, similarity, most striking similarity was that they were both chosen by God and anointed with oil, which is God's seal of approval. Then I tried to find some topics for comparison between my biblical chosen leaders and contemporary leaders of the world. Another thing that came out of it, another striking revelation, the leadership qualities found in David could not be found anywhere in the world among modern contemporary leaders. And the qualities found in those leaders could not easily be found, or in most cases, completely absent in David. So I want us to look for ourselves as we go through, look at some of the qualities that I'm gonna mention and see how often you can find them in leaders of today, if you can find them, because I tried and I couldn't. So I'm hoping that you will, that you will find them. So I want us to just look at the topics I'm going to read out a number of topics. I'm sorry that I didn't have a PowerPoint, but I'm going to look at the num read a number of topics, and then I want us to keep them in mind as we go along, right? And see how how Saul and David um, compare as we go along. Okay, they might not necessarily be in order, right? So what I'll do, I'll just go through this briefly, and then I'll go a little deeper. Into um into the into the lesson that was read to show you more about David because we really need to take leadership seriously, but we have to know what it is. And one of the mistakes that we make is that leadership and management are the same. They are not. They are completely different. And sometimes we are we are apt to choose people to do leadership work when they can only manage. And if you do that, you won't get true leadership. Okay? Management, you manage things, you manage your accounts, you manage your finances. Leadership, you are dealing with people. So you don't manage people, you lead people. If you try to manage people, you won't get far. Right? So that is what is happening now in our world, that everybody who knows very little at all about leadership, they are put into leadership position. So let us look at, at some of the um some of the equalities found in David. Inquisitiveness. 
David inquired about, about the battle when he went to look for his brothers. He didn't just be, um, he didn't just be an, an, um, just watching, the, I mean, just merely looking. He, he digged deeply. He dug deeply into what was, was happening. Right? And most times, we are not concerned about what is happening. We are not inquisitive enough. We don't, we don't, we don't ask questions and we don't look into what is happening. As a matter of fact, um, I was, this word inquisitive, um, from, from, from very early as a child, um, my grandparents used to chide me, boy, you are too inquisitive. Move from here. You are too inquisitive. You know, sometimes they are talking and um, you're not supposed to be hearing what they're saying. And so they chide you a little for being inquisitive. But later on, when I went to high school, my headmaster would give a pep talk every morning. And then he would say, I, I remember on one occasion, he said, lads, you must have inquisitive minds. You must be inquisitive. So that sort of, you know, put me in a little quandary there because I don't know which one to do. Because my parents used to tell me, don't be inquisitive. And now my headmaster is saying, you must have inquisitive minds. But you must be inquisitive. You must find out what is going on around you. You must know what is going on around you. Had it not been, been for that, David would not have, have slain Goliath. The battle would probably have not been won by Israel just because of David's inquisitiveness. Steadfastness. David would not have taken up the challenge by Eliab. Um, David would not have taken up the challenge if he had yielded to the quarrel with the lab. And this, this will go through when we, um, when we look at the lesson further, right? So, but David realized that I was not there to quarrel with my brother. I am, I am there to do a job, right? So you can quarrel, that's it. That's your part of it. I'm not going to quarrel with you. I'm not going to force with you, right? So David was, steadfast in what he wanted to do. Then you have heavy reliance on God's mercy. No, David sinned a number of times. And, and, we, and we look at one, and this was when David had to rely heavily on God's mercy. David did not believe in revenge. Oh, so common among us today. Among leaders, revenge seemed to be an integral part of their ruling. Integral part of it. If you don't revenge, you're not a good ruler. You're not a good leader. David would not revenge. He should have done it into Saul. Saul was hunting him down, but he didn't. David does not believe in revenge. That is God's job. And David was not prepared to take over jobs, God's job. David was a great lover of, of, of all kinds of people, not just pretty women. A man who brands himself as God's servant. And then also we look at that in one of the passages that we look, when David compared himself to God's servant, and therefore God must take care of me. I am your servant. You must take care of me. A man who did not seek personal revenge, even when prompted by his followers. Again, we look at that in detail in another, um, another lesson. A man who knows how and when to behave himself wisely. We see that um, when, Dave, when David was in front of Saul, when Saul was getting crazy and David had to play for him, David made sure that he was... His eyes were focused on Saul at all times, right? You just don't take your eyes off a madman. So David um, 
the himself wisely there. A man with deep reverence for God at all times and in all circumstances. Again, we will see that we see that we saw that in the lesson that was read. Um, where David, where David um, fought against Goliath because of what he was saying. He was there blaspheming the word of the name of, of God. And David was not about to allow that to happen. How many times we hear people saying horrible things about God and we turn the other, the other side, we, we, look, we look the other side, not for David. You don't mess with David's God. You have that you have that deep, deep reverence for God at all times and in all circumstances. Don't touch God. Was not ambitious for personal gain. David wants nothing for himself. And we'll see that. David was not prepared to knock down doors that were designed for him to walk through, but was closed by others. He would wait on God to open them. We saw that again in the case with Saul. David knew that he was king and he should be reigning. But God, you are the one who made me king. You close the door. You, I'm going to wait until you open it. I have no intention of knocking down that door to get in. So David waited this time. How many of us are willing to do that? How many leaders of today are willing to do that? You tell me that I am king and I must wait 20, 30 years. I want it now. And we have seen that over and over in leadership. That's what I'm saying, that you can't find anything in of David's qualities in any leaders of today. Because nobody is willing to wait that long on being a king after you, after, after they were told, they were anointed. So what was the anointing all about? If you have to wait until Saul reigned for 40 years. Right? That was the endurance that, that David had to, had to do. So David has no ambition for power or elevation unless it was ordered by God. How many of our leaders today can find that? Power, power, power. Power is the name. David had no ambition for power unless ordered by God. We want power even before, before we get into the job. Leaders of today, they, they want power even before. They're just yearning for it. Oh, when I get in there, I'm going to do this. When I get in there, I'm going to do that. Poor, poor. Not for David. Only when God gives him the directive, he was willing to do it. All right. So that, that was David's leadership. So let us look at some of the leadership qualities you know, of, of, um, of leaders of today. Little or no dependence on God. You hear the personal pronoun flirting around. I do this. I accomplish that. Right? They, they never even say we. I, I, I. And they always take credit for what is done. God has never been given the credit of anything. So there are little or no dependence on God for anything. Envy, jealousy, and pride are common among them and almost become and essential, um, essential qualities for leadership. Envy, jealousy. If you don't have those, you can't be a leader of today. That's one of the essentials of today's leadership. He didn't find that in David. Right? And that is why I chose to examine leadership. Because these things, these things are so common. And they are not right. And then we and then and then we move to little or no regard for the welfare of people. They were asked to lead. Again, it goes back to the fact that you ask them to lead when they don't know anything about leadership, they can only manage. So they don't know, they don't want to do anything for people. Right? The welfare of people 
is left unattended because they don't know what to do. They can, they can make decisions about money or anything, but make it about people? No. And that's why we are, we are, we are now in, in, the, um, in the COVID crisis. <laughs> because this calls for leadership, not management, leadership. But because the people were so bent on managing, it gets away. Right? That's leadership. Okay. The effectiveness of their leadership is measured by the amount of power they allot themselves. Wow. I am the greatest um, president or prime minister or whatever it is in the world. Of course, you, you ascribe that to yourself. You give yourself that title. Right? That's all we can hear. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? That's all we can hear. They display open revenge for their perceived enemies and will only be satisfied when that is accomplished. We have seen that times and time again. I am going to do this. When I get in power, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get back at some people. And as I said, some of them are even perceived. They're really not your enemies. But you're going to get back at somebody. Right? At all costs. On many occasions, their decisions could be classified as foolish. Um, if you listen, when you look at, when we look at um, David later on in, in, in there, when we look at um, David's encounter, um, not David, Saul's encounter with with Samuel, when Samuel told him that he did something foolish, right? So you see, it's not unusual for um for, for these guys to be doing foolish things. Because if, if if you look at them, you'll see that they are more in line with with Saul's with Saul's um classification than anything else. They showed little or no reverence. For God, God is not in their, their plan of their scheme of life. Right? Ambitious for power and personal gain, and will elevate themselves. I will do everything to elevate myself, financially or otherwise. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is to is to look is to look at at Saul and David, right? And that will lead us into the um, into the, the sins of Saul. Look first. Remember, I told you that these two people were these two people were um, were anointed by God. They were selected by God as kings. So we're going to look, and they, and they both sin. Remember, I couldn't find a perfect leader, but since. David was classified as a man after God's own heart. I guess he should be the nearest one to perfection among leaders. Right? So, if we look at Saul's sin, Saul's first victory in battle after ascending the throne was a resounding victory. And everybody was pleased with it, and everybody thought that Saul did well. But like all leaders, um, pride steps in quickly. Pride will quickly fill the space with of, of, of um, humility. He was humble, but after the victory, that's it, it goes. Right? Then, the second battle now with the Philistines, he was, he was, he was instructed to wait for Saul at Gilgal. So I said, go down there and wait for me. Don't do anything until, until I come. And David and, um, and Saul waited for seven days. He didn't see David. So he got a bit jittery and then he decided to offer sacrifice. As he finished offering the sacrifice, David um, Saul Samuel turned up. And it was the other Samuel said, my, fam my famous petition at all times. 
Don't, uh, don't be foolish. Saul, <laughs> so you are not supposed to offer sacrifice, right? You're not the priest. And, and we find that because you are the king or the president or the prime minister, you feel that you are above everybody else, even above God. So you take over what God should be doing. And that's what, that's what Saul did. He went. So, so that was his first sin, the intrusion into the, um, into, into the priesthood. Right? And Samuel reprimanded him. But as if as if that as, as if as if that, that wasn't enough, Saul again told him, um, Samuel again told Saul to go and kill all the Amalekites, slaughter them, take everything. I mean, kill everything. Animals, man, king, everybody. Samuel, um, Saul went and he did. He killed some of the people. He saved the king, which should have been killed. And he, he, took, he took some of the um, some of the animals. As Samuel approached him, as Samuel approached him, he, he gladly agreed. And he, again, these leaders are foolish. So, so I'll just ask him. So, what am I hearing? The bleating of sheep and the and the lowing of cattle. Oh, it was the people who did it. So that's how that's that's the type of leader you have. Leaders who pass over everything on the people. They never do anything. The people ask them to do it. Other people told them them to do it, or the people did it themselves. But they never never did anything. So that was Saul's third sin. <laughs> by then, by then the Lord had gotten um, sick of, of Saul and, and, and his sinful nature. So you see, when you carry on too long as a leader, the Lord will not stay with you. He's going to leave you. And as we said earlier on, there's a godly component in leadership. If that is taken away, you are going downhill. You have to watch that, right? So, 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 um, okay, so, we find that in chapter in chapter sixteen again that um that Samuel that Samuel told Saul that that the days are numbered Saul we are done with you and therefore God was going to um God was going to prepare a man to take your place and in the name of Samuel Samuel he said God has chosen a man after my own heart to take your place, Saul. And I want us to look at this. The same, around the same time when Saul, when David, when, when Samuel told Saul that, that's, that um, the Lord had forsaken him and the Lord had taken, had taken somebody else as, as um, has chosen someone else as king. It is said that the spirit of the Lord left Saul and an evil spirit was brought upon Saul by the Lord. That is critical and very important. Very important, right? So, one would think that, that God does not have anything to do with evil spirit. The Bible said it was it was brought on by God Himself. Right? Right? So what we find then? Is it is, is it is it any different now that if leaders are not in tune with God, that the evil spirit won't 
come up upon them, or they won't do foolish things like liking soil? What's the difference? The spirit of the Lord is taken away from you. And the evil spirit takes its place. There's no vacuum. As we always say, there's no vacuum in nature. If God's spirit is taken away from you, another spirit must take its place. So don't be surprised at the things that people are doing now in the name of leadership. It is evident that God's spirit is not there. It's taken away. So what are you expecting? All right. Okay, so so that were the three the three sins of um of of Saul. Now let's look back at David. Um in chapter in chapter seventeen um in chapter seventeen where the lesson was taken from um Verse 20. Before we get there, we saw we saw where we saw we saw where um David's father sent him to to um to the battle just to inquire about what was going on with his brothers and take some meal to him. All right. And when David went there now, um it is customary that Goliath comes down morning and evening. And taunt them about 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 the battle. So while while David was there, one of those moments, the taunting was going on, and David's anger boiled boiled. But David's brother was there, and all of them were sitting on there, couldn't do anything, afraid and afraid and trembling, and David was the only one who decided that something must be done. Because, as you know, David, uh, David has that um, fear of God, and and um, he wasn't going to allow the name of the Lord to, to go like that. I mean, and, no, I want to look at verse twenty-eight. And Eliab his brother heard when he spake unto un, unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep? In the wilderness, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there, is there not a cause? And he turned and walked away. No, this is the turning point in David's life. This is a point where you see the true David. David was not going to allow a family squabble to, to, to develop right there. He could easily have done it. Here's his brother insulting him. And bear in mind that his brother was there when he was anointed. He was anointed as king before this. Right? But here's the brother insulting David. David could easily have left off his mission and, and, um, and taken out. Um, his brother, but he wasn't going to do that. And sometimes in life, we are like that. We are not focused. We have the wrong enemy, right? Mm-hmm. We have to be very careful. David was not going to allow the little the nonsense that his brother was saying, right, affect his his um his behavior because he was going to punish. For blaspheming the word, the name of the Lord. And this is a turning point in David's um, leadership that I really want to want to, want to make clear. Right? There is his brother exhibiting all, all the um all the the, the 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 things that I mentioned earlier on that come from um from 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 um contemporary leaders right anger jealousy and that and those things that was what oozing out of his brother Eliab 
And, and that is how inept leaders behave. They can't do the job. They can't do anything. Right? And people who can do it, they try to call them as it were. We find that, we find that in life regularly. People who can't do anything or don't know anything, they behave like that. Right? So, but the good thing about it is that David was steadfast. We talk about the steadfastness of David. David, nothing is going to shake David. No matter what Eliab said, was not going to bend. I am not here to fight against you, Eliab. I'm here to defend Israel. Right? Another thing also that David showed um, in terms of quality is that David did not, although David knew that he had, he was the only one there who had the power to defeat Goliath, he did not rush into doing it. He waited. He, he asked permission. He got permission from Saul. Saul is a leader. David respected Saul. Sometimes because we know we can do something or we know, it, or we know that we know more than the leader, we rush ahead and do things. No. David waited his turn. He kept on going, going around and asking, what shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine? Until he was taken to Saul. He got the answer, but he wanted it to come from King Saul himself. And he wanted Saul to give him that permission to go and fight. That's the type of man David is. Right? He's not going to take away the battle. He's not going to take the battle away from Saul. Saul will give him permission. And, 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 and if we can remember the story, when David, when David, when Saul, when, when David was going to battle, Saul armed him with and put on his armor and, and him and everything. And David said, I can't, I can't use this man. It's too heavy. And apart from that, I have not proven them. I have not tested them. David tested Christ, God. That's why he could go into battle. He tested the power of Christ. No ordinary man can kill a lion or um, and a bear. So David knew that the Lord was with him as a leader. Right? And that was why he could go in and do and do and do um and do, and do what he did. Right? So he was not going on his might. He was not depending on his might, as we said earlier, right? But on God's might. What are the leaders of today? What they do? They are depending on their might, which they don't have. Because you can only be given that might by God himself. Right? And David knew that. Right? So, we have to be very, very careful when we assume leadership positions and take God out of it. If we take that godly component out of leadership, you can't succeed because it's a combined thing. You must have God in your leadership. And we see the effect of that in today's leadership. God is put on the back burner, right? As a matter of fact, if you say that I'm the greatest prime minister or president in the world, there's nobody above you now except God. So if you don't believe in God, if you don't trust God, you're on your own. You're the greatest. Mm -hmm. Nobody can go above you. So you see when you going around and saying that I am the greatest and I'm this and that, <laughs> right? You're in trouble. For God will back out and leave you. He'll back off. God is not going to um, challenge you. He'll back off. And when you're left on your own, you will go the way of Saul. After Saul, after Saul was left on his own, you can see you can see the deterioration in Saul's in Saul's um, life. Then 
let's look at um, the sins of David. David is not all perfect. So he's not only Saul, he's Saul, Saul that sinned. But the difference between David and Saul you now is Saul kept on sinning. <laughs> Saul kept on sinning. He's not, he's not, he's not going to God and, and asking for, for repentance. And that happens sometimes to us. Sins, sins keep piling up until you reach a point where God said, you have, you have too much. The bank is full. What are you going to do? Not so with David. Immediately after David commits a sin, he goes to God immediately and says, God, let's talk about it. Settle this account. And if you look at David's sin, it is not the same thing he's doing. Right? He doesn't do the same thing over. <laughs> the most, most of Saul's sin was disobedience. Feeling that he was above God. Right? Whatever he, he, he is the king, I can do what I want to do. Right? And that's what gets Saul into trouble. Not so with David. So, so let's look quickly at David's sin. David also got a little prideful and got, um, you know, lost his humility after fighting and gaining victories. And so he numbered the children of Israel. Which tells God that you don't need me anymore because you are now looking at how many men you have to do, you have to fight. Which is serious. You are no longer dependent on God. You are going to depend on your own power, your, your own might. And that was what got David into trouble. So the moment he did that, the, the, um, the prophet God, J.D., came to him. But before the prophet came, his David's captain told him, David, this is something that you shouldn't do. It's not right. As the captain of the army, right? David, don't do it. It's not right. But being being the king, David didn't brush him off. I know. Um, he just he just went ahead and did it. So, this is the problem we face today. How many people, knowing that their leaders not doing the right thing, and are willing to face them and tell them, listen. What you are doing is not right. They sided with them. So, you, so, so, so the wrong is compounded. It is wrong. Nobody says it's wrong. They sided with, with the leaders and compounded their um, the wrong. Not so in David's case. David surround, surrounded himself with men who could tell him when he's wrong. Right? And Job said, David, it's not a good thing to do. Why are you doing it? Anyway, since, since I'm the captain and you, are, and you are the king, I will do it. But David was told that it was wrong. No, David, um, God gave David three choices, right? But David realized that, listen, God is God. And there's nobody above God. So he said, Lord, you, since you know what the outcome of each of, of each choice, you know something? I won't choose. You choose the one that you feel I can bear. Mm-hmm. And that's how we come, mm-hmm. and, and that's how we come to find one of those characteristics about David. David reliance upon God. In every step, David relies on God. He won't even choose his punishment. Because he believes that God will just choose one that he can manage. When I read it, it was so amazing. The man telling God, God, you choose the one to give me. I'm not going to choose, you choose the one to give me. Amen. Right? So David that was so heavily, heavily dependent on God for everything, every step of the way. Another important point again in David's um, 
in David's life. Well, of course, you know about David's sin with um, Bathsheba, and we won't talk about that one. That is not a part of the lesson here, but well, that's another part of David's sin, right? But David also didn't handle his household very well. Sometimes when we get old, we, we tend to do that. You, you remember Amon raped his arm, his sister, Tamar? So David didn't handle that situation very well. And his son, Absalom, Absalom decided that he was going to revenge. And so he killed Amon. So David had murder right in his camp there because he didn't handle the situation. Right? So Absalom decided now that he was going to kill David himself. <laughs> so here's a young man who decided that he was going to take over from his father, right? But David was such a gracious man that David wouldn't even resist. So David decided that he was going to take a few men and disappear, start, start to go back into the, into the wilderness like what, like what he did when he was, when he was, um, when he was hiding, hiding, hiding from Saul. Well, and, and while David was and while David was, was planning his um his escape in the wilderness with Saul, they came to a place. Let me let me read it because I, I love that part of it. In Second Samuel, Yes. Okay. It is Second Samuel sixteen, right? And the Lord, and I'll read from verse eight. And the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in, the, in whose stead thou hast reigned. No, no, no. That should come before. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll start from verse five. Okay, so so while David was running away from Absalom, he came to this place called Behurim. So verse five says, and when David came to Behurim, behold, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimel, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. So while he was coming, he was cursing David. And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on the right hand and on the left. So despite David was surrounded by these bodyguards and so on, the man was casting stone and all sort of thing on David. And thus, and thus said said um, Shemiel, when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou, and thou man of Belial. Now, the word Belial means that it's, it's associated with anything that, that is bad of, of, of bad, of bad, bad character. So that was what he was calling David. <laughs> the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the king, the kingdom into the hands of Absalom, thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of, the son of, um, Zeruiah, this was one of the kings, one of David's bodyguard. Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. No. How many of us under that situation 
would not say yes. How many leaders of today would not say, get rid of that man? He's stoning us, he's cursing us, he's doing everything. And the king said, what have I to do with you, the sons of Zerah? So let him curse, because the Lord had said unto him, curse David. We shall then say, where as though, where as, where as though done so? Wherefore there was done so? No, what David is saying here is that, leave the man alone. God give him permission to curse me. <laughs> leave the man alone. Don't touch him. God give him permission to curse me. Because you see, David calls himself, as I said before, a servant of God. And David feels that nothing can happen to him to him without God's permission. So if the man is cursing him, God must give him permission to leave. Right? And David was willing to go back through the same cycle in the wilderness with Saul. Hiding, hiding from Absalom. He would not go, go into a, a war with him. David didn't have to run, run, run from him. But he didn't, he didn't really want, want to fight against his own son. Right? And, and if you read the story, you'll find out that on, on numerous occasions, David would always call, would always ask his general, how about Absalom? And um, um, who is with him? You know, they tell him, the boy is with him. Because <laughs> he, was, he was bent on killing David. And David said, no, don't, 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 don't kill him. Right? So, so David here has so much confidence in God. But David said, listen, if this man who is a part of me is seeking my, my death, He's seeking to kill me. What so so much more a man a man who, who doesn't know me? He has a right to curse me and do anything. If my own wants to kill me, then the other man outside has double right. You see, David's way of reasoning things. We don't reason things that way. Because So, David would rather that dead dog, as the man called him, hurt him. Right? But he was not going to retaliate. So you say David does not believe in revenge. And we, and we also know the story about Saul, when David, David almost ran away from Saul. Right? David could have killed him on many occasions, but David does not believe in, in revenge. He would, not, he would not fight back. All because he believes that if God, if God anointed Saul to be king, he has no right to touch Saul. Deep reverence for God. God's anointed, don't touch him. Right? Absalom, as you know, how he died, he was, he was riding along and, um, and his hair caught in some bramble, uh, branch or so on, and then he was left dangling, dangling on the arm from the, from the tree. And those men just passed and took their sword and killed him. And even then they didn't want to tell David, they tried to keep it from David as much as possible. Right? But well, you see, you can't hurt the man of God. Don't try to hurt the man of God. You can't win. Absalom was bent on killing David because, because he, he feels it's time for him to take over. And David was running away from him. But the Lord took over the battle and let and let him hang himself, literally. He killed himself. So, the man of God, no fear. God is always with you, and God will be with you. God will find a way to, 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 to um, rescue you. 
like what he did with David. As a matter of fact, if you read the story in detail, you'll find that um, two plans, two, two plans were made as to how the battle, the battle should go. That was by Absalom. But a man came in and changed the plan. <laughs> and that plan was changed in favor of David, although it was intended to be against David. And the Bible said it was the Lord's, the Lord allowed it. So David, so Solomon, Absalom accepted the former plan. Don't forget about the one that, um, I mean, the second one. Don't forget about the one that was, that was first planned. So God will find a way of dealing with, with, um, with his people, the people who, who worked um, against him. Okay, so so we so we pause to really take a look at at leadership in today's world and the incidents of. Um, Sometime this week, what is that must be solved by identifying the root cause? The root cause is not that. So even if you do that, it's still there. It won't solve the problem. We have failed over the years to to um to deal with the root cause. Why should a man be patrolling in the street with high powered rifle? That ought not to have happened. But we fail to deal with things like those. We can't deal with it. So the root cause is that you have to change something. You probably change the constitution. That people don't have the power to travel with high-powered rifle in the streets. But nobody's going to do it. Right? Nobody's going to do it. There are so many things that we have to change, I mean, to get there. But nobody, nobody is willing to do that. And so we are at a very delicate moment in our history. Very, very delicate. And the way forward is what? God. Get back to God. And I am, I am a bit, I don't know, I mean, why is it that I'm not hearing from, from the leaders, from, from religious leaders? Why? Where are they? Nobody stepped forward. We want to hear from them. You know, um, you know it is, it is, it is it's a common thing for us to say, um, um, Christians should not take part in politics. But is that right or correct? Should we not? If we allow bloody men, as the man was styling David, which he, which which incidentally he wasn't, um, to, to roam the street and and rule, that's what we are going to get. We want people to come out of the pulpit, go in there, and take part until we have that corruption and everything that you talk about will be there. I think there's one man in Georgia who said that he's going, to, who has been a, um, who is no a senator. He made a step, but we can't allow non-Christians or the people of the world to determine our life. And that's what we are doing. If we don't, if we don't decide to go out and do something, we're going to have more more of that. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not alarmed at what took place this week. No way, right? Because you can't rule without godly people. That part of leadership is missing. 
right? So if it is missing, you are in trouble. And so, um, and so. Qualification. He did not attend in school. He didn't hear about him attending school after leaving after that, right? We are all in, endued with the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit that existed in David, but you must be willing to wait to be used by God. We all have that spirit, but we need to be willing to sit down and wait to be used by God. God sometimes have great position for of honor and responsibility to be filled, but he won't use us until we are qualified by him. And what is God's qualification? Not a degree. Nothing wrong with a degree, but don't use it as, as saying that that's what, that's what um, God is waiting for. God has his own method of qualifying rulers or leaders. But we have to wait and we have to go through. We look through what we look and see what David went through. Right? While David, while David was, was, was working at the, um, in the palace with Saul, David, David was, was learning quite a lot. That's where he learned quite a lot. Because he, he was mending with people of, um, you know, of authority. So God put him there. It was risky. But God put him there. And, and, there, and there he learned that when the time comes, comes for him to take over, he was ready. David knew that no person was big enough to defy God. And that was why he challenged Goliath. Right? He knew that all the other persons there were trembling from King Saul. Mm. Nobody wanted to go and fight. Right? But David knew that Nobody is big enough to defy God. So David was going, and David was not going in his might, he was going in God's might. Amen. So David doesn't want to say, I, David, killed Saul. It was God. So David, David went in God's might. And if we want to succeed as rulers or leaders, we have to go 
in God's might, in the power of God, not in yours. We have seen that. We have seen the failure. Because people are going in their might. I am this, I am that. Right? Mm. You have to go in God's might. To David, the honor and the name of the Lord was everything to him. He ascribes all his ability to God. None by himself. In other words, all his achievement was from and by God. How many of us can do that? I I, I saw this quotation from um from a book, and it says, "What what you are is more important than what you do. For the doing comes out of the being. God has more." at stake in what you are than in what you do. If that is so, God will be able to do through you what he wants to do. Right? So it's not what you're doing going to impress God. Right? That's not what you're doing now going to impress him. Is what your heart can do. And if he knows what your heart can do, then he will know what to give you to do. So keep your hearts and your minds stayed on God. And God will give you what you are supposed to do. He will tell you what you are supposed to do. So, so we thank God for today. And we and we we do thank God for leaders. Without them, without them, you know, we couldn't run the country. But thanks, Kevin. But we pray that we pray that they will that they will that they will rise up. You know, rise up. They'll rise up and embrace God. Yes, then. Right, embrace God. You can't do it on your own. They have been trying to do things on their own, and it won't work. The story of David is a real story. It's not. It's not. It's not something that you just a fiction. It happened. So unless you want to try to lead like David, you won't get far. Right. I couldn't find one person, as example, who who was willing to lead or who is leading like David. None. So it's no wonder that we are we are we are in chaos in the world. It's no wonder because we are leading we are leading in the wrong direction from from the wrong end. And so we pray that God will give us the courage and the strength. And don't be afraid of leaders, right? Don't be afraid of, of, of putting yourself forward to lead, right? Don't be afraid. If you are called to lead, called to serve, lead and serve with dignity and strength. Because God wants people like you with abilities. But it must must be harnessed to be used in God's glory and in his might. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank